everybody. Welcome to the export. I am Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I know neither of us are all that into the end season tournament. But now that we are reaching the semifinals, where it's going to be Lakers versus Pelicans and Pacers versus Bucks, do you think you're going to be tuning in tomorrow night for the knockout rounds? Or are you still just kind of like, eh, it is, it is what it is? Oh, uh, it's tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not going to be Tony, and I'm going to be watching a horrible football game called the Steelers versus Patriots. Yeah, we're in the same boat. No disrespect to the NBA. I know they're trying to get creative and do different things. That's cool and all, but it's football season, and my time and energy is always going to be devoted to football over basketball, so I won't be watching either. But who knows? I heard that the uh, Celtics-Pacers game was really entertaining, so maybe this one will be too. Uh, but we got a cool show for you guys today uh, with College Football Playoff Spotlight. We're going to talk about the college football playoffs and whether or not the Florida State Seminoles really did get screwed or not. If a 10th straight 1,000-yard receiving season makes Mike Evans a first-round ba- first ballot lock for the NBA Hall of Fame, and then with regards to the NBA, we're going to discuss whether or not Reggie Miller really is the GOAT shooter over Steph Curry. But before we get to any of that, please share check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for our school sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So go and kick things off with that college football player spotlight. Like I said, it's going to be a broader view looking at the college football playoffs at large. We finally know what four teams are in. Number one seed, Michigan Wolverines. Number two seed, Washington Huskies. Number three, Texas Longhorns. And number four, Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's just start off with this. Do you think that the committee made the right choice with the four teams that made it? I don't. Uh, I think I don't think Alabama should have made it. I mean, I know that they beat Georgia and they won the SEC, but if they lost, in my opinion, I don't think they should have put Georgia in. But if Alabama lost to Texas, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's I feel like it's a lose lose situation, no matter where you look at it. Like. Personally, I think Florida State should have been in it because say what you want, but I don't think that you should punish a team for an injury more than you should punish them for a loss. Because even though the ACC hasn't exactly been the strongest conference this year, I mean, it's still a Power 5 conference. They still went undefeated, and yet they're not reaping the benefits of it. So it feels like everything that they accomplished this year is for nothing because Jordan Travis, their starting quarterback, got hurt. And in the case of, like, Bama and um, Bama and Texas, it's like, okay, I can, I can rationalize Texas. Because if you look at it, like, Alabama took down Georgia, who's been undefeated for almost two years, two-time reigning national champions. Okay, you put them over Georgia, but Texas did beat them. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if you were going to put Alabama in, you have to put Texas in. But it's like, should Alabama really be ahead of Florida State? Do I think they're going to be more competitive in the uh, playoff games? Absolutely. But do I think they're more deserving than Florida State? No. And I think, personally, I think that's what it comes down to between the two, and I think Florida State should have got in. Yeah, I would agree. Because, I mean, like you, like in my opinion, like you said, if you go undefeated, you should make the, you should make the playoff regardless. Because it's like, then it's like this, 
it's in my opinion, it's a smack in the face because we went through all the adversity of winning every game this season with the goal of making it to the to the playoffs, and we don't get in just because our quarterback got hurt, which you can't account for injuries in any sport. So yeah, I I think I agree with you. Yeah, it's a bad look, I think. And, I mean, next year it's going to be moving from four teams to 12 teams. I'm still kind of on the fence. I think 12 is a few too many. I think eight would make more sense. But even still, it does show this year that, like, four teams is not enough because, in the end, somebody's going to get screwed. And, I mean, it's kind of felt like that every year. I mean, Bama felt like they got screwed last year. I don't think they did. But I can understand their reasoning behind it. Like, every year there's a controversial omission from the playoffs, and now that's not going to be the case. But I do feel for Florida State. Obviously, they're upset, and they have every right to be. But, I mean, they played Georgia in the Rose Bowl, and it's like if you really want to show everybody you compete, you can compete, win that game. But I'm not going to say I don't think either team really cares, but I don't really think either team cares. No. And I also, I think this, I feel like I kind of know, and I could be wrong in this thought process, the reason why it's 12 instead of 8. I think it's two reasons. One, like you said, to kind of correct some of the wrongdoings of the teams that should have been in that, um, that weren't in. And it's also to get as many SEC teams in the playoffs as you possibly can. Because, I mean, realistically, I think two SEC – no, three SEC teams would be in it if it was 12 teams. It would obviously be Bama, Georgia, and M- Mizzou would have got in. And next year, it's no telling who's going to end up being there. Obviously, Georgia and Bama are going to be in the conversation. I'd love it for LSU to be in, but ain't no telling what we going to look like after the draft. So, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Again, I do feel bad for Florida State, especially because Mike Norvell, former head coach for the Memphis Tigers, love him to death. Hated for him, hated for that coaching staff, but we shall see how it all shakes out. Uh, But let's go ahead and talk about the NFL as they are making their way towards their own playoffs, starting with last Thursday's game where the Dallas Cowboys defeated the Seattle Seahawks 41-35. Houston Texans win a close one against the Denver Broncos 22-17. Lions edge out the New Orleans Saints 33-28. Chargers win a snoozer against the New England Patriots 6-0. Uh, Cardinals upset the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-10. Uh, Falcons win a defensive effort against the New York Jets 13-8. Indianapolis Colts beat your Tennessee Titans in overtime 31-28. Miami Dolphins run away with it against the Commanders 45-15. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Carolina Panthers 21-18. Uh, Los Angeles Rams extend their winning streak to three games after taking down the Cleveland Browns 36-19. 49ers get revenge against the Philadelphia Eagles 42-19. Packers win a controversial one against the Chiefs 27-19 on Sunday Night Football. And in Monday Night Football, this Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars in overtime 34-31. Um, at the end of the week, I went 9-3 with my game predictions, and you went 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Turning the page, looking at some injury news. Patriots lose running back Ramondre Stevenson, who suffered a high ankle sprain, and he's expected to miss some time. Uh, Steelers quarterback 
Kenny Pickett is having surgery on his ankle and is expected to miss at least the next couple of weeks. Um, same can be said for Texans rookie wide receiver Tank Dell. He's done for the year with the fractured left fibula, and the Jacksonville Jaguars were dealt two heavy blows. First with wide receiver Christian Kirk suffering a core muscle injury on the first drive of the Bengals game. He's expected to be sidelined and possibly need surgery. And quarterback Trevor Lawrence is week-to-week week with a high ankle sprain. So looking at that AFC South, right now it is one of the tightest divisions in all of the NFL. Right now the Jags hold down the top spot with the 8-4 and four records, and it's Colts at 7-5, and five, Texans at 7-5, and five, and then the Titans at 4-8. and eight. Depending on Trevor Lawrence and if he has to miss time, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, we'll find out starting on Sunday. Do you think the Jags should be worried about their ability to hold on to an AFC South crown? I forget how many games are they ahead. They are ahead one game. Ted, well, okay, so technically it's one game. They've beaten the Colts twice. So if they were uh-huh. to finish with the same record, they would still end up with the division win. But they did split the series with the Texans this year, who were seven and five. If he's able, if he's able to miss time, I definitely think that they should be wary, simply because like the Colts and the Texans are both getting hot at the right at the right times. We talk about it a lot in sports. The best time for a team to like play their best ball. It's when it gets closer and closer to the uh, postseason. And for the Texans, they're doing that. For the Colts, regardless of how I felt about my team losing the game that I thought they should have won, they're doing that. Um, and if you're telling me that you're down your your star QB and one of his better targets and wide out for even if it's like three weeks, I definitely think that they should be weird. Yeah, I think they should be worried as well. Christian Kirk is a rough blow, but, I mean, you this is why you traded for Calvin Ridley. You have Zay Jones still in tow, Evan Ingram. They're all still there. They're big producers on offense, and I can't forget about Travis Etienne. But Travis, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, I mean, C.J. Beathard was fine last night, but he was going up against the Bengals' defense, which is not great. This upcoming week, they play the Cleveland Browns, who I don't think they're the best defense in the league, but they are – by far one of the better ones that the Jags are going to be facing before the season concludes. And C.J. Beathard is playing behind a shaky offensive line. You don't want an inexperienced guy having Miles Garrett running in his face all night long. No matter the weapons you got around you, if you can't get the ball out quick, you're going to get hit. And that's pretty much been the story of playing the Cleveland Browns. So in the case of Trevor Lawrence, do I think he misses significant time? No. But it also wouldn't shock me if he at least misses this game. But, I mean, even just missing one game with how tight things are, it could have a really big effect on the current AFC South standing. So we shall see. But, yeah, if I was them, I'd be worried if uh, if uh, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence's injury seems worse than what they're letting on. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top three takeaways of the week. Uh, starting out with me, it is from that Jags and Bengals game. And we've seen quarterback-proof quarter receivers. And when I say that, I mean they're receivers who it doesn't matter who's getting them the ball. They're going to make plays. Jamar Chase has entered that class. This past Monday night, 11 catches for 145 yards and a touchdown. I mean, obviously he was a top target for Jake Browning because, I mean, if I got Jamar Chase on my team, I'm throwing him the ball a lot. And that's precisely what he did. Caught 11 of those targets. And he showed that he's still the man regardless of who is his quarterback. And I think that's very rare company for him to be in. 
Oh, my number three. Is this the worst injury year for starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, you look at Kenny Pickett, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Like, I either I could just have bad memory, but I don't think I remember another season where like this many starting quarterbacks had like these significant injuries all at the same time. I don't think I've I don't think there's been a season like that either. Like Obviously, there are seasons when a few, maybe a few quarterbacks go down. But, I mean, even you just not even the ones that you mentioned. Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson for the Colts, the Predator, um, Joe Burrow, you mentioned Kenny Pickett. Like, it's rough. It's rough. And knock on wood, selfishly, I hope my favorite quarterback, not my favorite, but my starting quarterback don't go down. Same for my favorite quarterback out in Denver. But, yeah, this is a – really bad year for quarterback injuries also Kirk Cousins I forgot all about Kirk Cousins he's done for the year too um number two I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks and saying that they have too many name brand players on defense to be this ineffective a defense that boasts Jamal Adams Bobby Wagner the solid uh cornerback duo of Reek Woolen and Devon Witherspoon not to mention you just traded for Leonard Williams should not be 25th in the league in points allowed per game. They shouldn't be 23rd in the league in passing yards allowed per game. But that's where the Seattle Seahawks find themselves. Because this is a team, obviously, that has talent. I mean, this Cowboys game showed it. They can score with anybody. But the issue is their defense can't stop anybody. And I, sh- I can only imagine how frustrating it, that is for Pete Carroll and that coaching staff, knowing you're so good. You have guys who are clearly some of the best at their position. But for some reason or another, it's very hard to put it together and stop people from putting up points. Uh, my number two, um, I think jo- it looks like Jordan Love has finally turned the corner um, and figured out his game. I remember earlier in the season, he had a couple games where he balled out. Then he looked very pedestrian. But over the past couple of weeks, I think starting with that game against the Lions on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. like, Jordan Love just looked like a completely different quarterback. And he, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. For sure. Uh, and so, like, I just I just have to give, give him his flowers and respect him because, like, going into that game, I – if I were to say, like, even though I don't trust the weapons that Patrick Mahomes has more than the weapons that Aaron, um, Jordan Love has outside of Travis Kelsey, obviously. Yeah. Uh, if I going into the game, if I the if I saw the stat lines, I would have thought the stat line that Jordan Love had. I definitely would have thought that would have been Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, agreed. I mean, he's definitely. You looking at him right now? I think it's safe to say that he's been the best quarterback in that division over the past few weeks. I mean, Jared Goff has had a lot of turnovers. We still don't really know what Justin Fields is, and Josh Dobbs is Josh Dobbs. So I would agree with that. Um, Number one for me, talking about defense again, the Eagles, this is not the same Eagles defense from last year. Last year, they were arguably the best defensive unit in the league, especially against the pass. First in the league in terms of passing yards allowed per game. Right now, they are 29th in the league, averaging 260.3 yards. They're 22nd in 20. They're 22nd in total yards allowed with 350.6, another category they led the league in, and they're allowing the 24th most points per game compared to last season when they were 7th. I mean, coming into this year, like, 
with the linebacker situation, losing Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on the back end, like, okay, you think they may take a couple of steps back, but this is a whole nother thing. And I think that when you look at the Eagles' offense, obviously they are very good. But if they go up against a defense that can slow them down, I don't know if I trust the Eagles' defense anymore to be able to keep them in games based off what we've seen this season. Oh, for me, my number one, is this the first year where we see, not is this, should this be the first year that we see a wide receiver win MVP? And I know that you have feelings, personal feelings about him off the field, but to look at the season that Tyreek Hill is having, he's like, I think I saw it earlier, he's like 512 yards away from having a 2,000-yard season. And I forget how many games are left this season. Uh, let's see. Five. So he, if he gets just in on at minimum, if he gets a hundred yards in one game, one game he has like one hundred six, another game he has one hundred six. He can get two thousand yards this season. Like that's. That's a different level of dominance at the wide receiver position. And I know typically the MVP award is for quarterbacks. Sometimes it's for running backs. But I think he has a justifiable case to be in that conversation this year. Yes. If I take away my personal feelings, at the very least, if – Tyreek Hill doesn't get Offensive Player of the Year, I'd be shocked. Because, you know, they always going to try to find a way to get a quarterback MVP, but I think at the very least he's a lock for Offensive Player of the Year. Should be locked up too, but that's neither here nor there. All right, let's go ahead and talk our most impressive players of the week. Um, starting for me offensively, I'm going Debo Samuel. Talked a lot of shit over the past nine months since that NFC Championship game. Finally gets a chance to play the Eagles, and what does he do? What does he do? He backs it up on seven touches. Had um, 138 total yards from scrimmage, three touchdowns. I mean. He came out in pregame with Black Forces, and he played with Black Force Energy. I got to give him props for that. I mean, I was going to say the exact same person because I, I watched a little bit of the game before I had to leave, and I was like, yeah, bro, just on a different time and then everybody else on the field. And then I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw he had the Black Forces on, and I was like, oh, yeah, Debo, he ready, ready. He, he, he came in there on a mission. Yeah. Uh, defensively, I got to show some love to an LSU Tiger. Uh, Texans cornerback Derek Stingley had two picks uh, in the Texans' big win over the Denver Broncos and four pass deflections. Obviously, I hate that it was my main man, Russell Wilson, throwing them, but, I mean, when it's an LSU man on the other end, it makes it a little bit better. Defensively, I got to go. I got to go for real one. I feel like in that gap. Really, I can go to whole 49ers defense. Yeah. But but it was just like, every time I looked up, I feel like I saw Fred Warner just around the ball making plays. And, I mean, it's normal for Fred Warner. But when it's a game, the magnitude of the game against the Eagles, like you stated, the whole, both teams were just talking a lot of shit to each other the whole offseason leading up to this game. And for them to, like, bully them the way that they did, I got to get a unit some, some love. Yeah, that, I totally understand. 
Um, rookie of the week, I'm going wide receiver Puka Nakua against a very good Browns defense. Finished the game with four catches and 105 yards and a touchdown, including a 70-yarder. Also ran the ball a bit, had two carries for 34 yards. I mean, C.J. Stroud is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so. But had it not been for C.J. Stroud, Puka was going to run away with it. Yeah, I'm also going to join you with the Puka Nakua, the dude ball out this and then most disappointed player, I really could have said the whole Eagles defense, but I'm going to specifically say uh, linebacker Nicholas Murrow. Per pro football focus, their numbers are sometimes kind of janky, but this time it showed on tape. Uh, he allowed six catches for on eight targets for 175 yards and two touchdowns and missed a key tackle on Debo's first touchdown. It's just we know that they needed help at linebacker and – this, I'll say this, in the case of Nicholas Morrow, this past game did not do him any favors to enlighten him to that group. Um, most disappointing. I gotta, I gotta go with the Hull Titans. I think it was, I haven't, I still haven't seen how they lost, because I really don't want to put myself through it, because I, when I saw the thing, because I was, I was keeping up with the game, on the phone, they were up, like you told me, off air, like Derrick Henry was going crazy. I was like, oh, this game in the bag. I don't even have to worry about it. I look at my phone several hours later. They lost, and apparently it was like one of the most wildest endings you've ever seen in a football game. So I got to go with the Titans. I could tell you if you want me to, because I obviously had to watch that game for work. But if not, we just leave yeah, it. I remember really, you tell me, then I watch it. Okay. So final drive. They were at, so they end up, well, one, I think on, like, the first play of, like, right before they went to overtime, Danico Autry came through with a padded pass that low-key looked like it was going to be a pick six and would have ended the game with, like, less than 10 seconds left. Uh, Colts end up taking a knee. Fast forward, go to overtime. Titans drive down the field. I think uh, Ty J. Spears had, like, a 19-yard run. It was a pretty good drive overall. Ends in a field goal. Um, Colts get the ball. They drive to the forty-one, their forty-one yard line, and then they find Alec Pierce for like a fifty-four yard gain. He he just burnt Sean Murphy bunch, and it was disrespectful. He gets down at the four, I believe. First play, I think it was a run to Zach Moss. Didn't go nowhere. Second play, touchdown to Michael Pittman Jr. and that ended the game. Yeah, it was. It was really just a bad week of football overall for me. My favorite team lost. My favorite player on my favorite team got hurt. My second favorite team lost to a team that no way imaginable they should have won that game. So, yeah, it was bad. I mean, any given Sunday, that's the thing about the NFL. Like, on paper, you, you feel like you know who should win. But when they actually get out there on the field, it's a whole nother story. That's why I've learned the hard way. I don't count on nobody. I don't care who Baltimore is playing or LSU is playing, Memphis, whatever. I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing a victory or nothing. I'm not feeling good until the game is over. So I, But I get it. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the current landscape, week 14 around the NFL. And let's look at the current playoff standing starting off in the AFC if the playoffs started today the number one seed would be the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens will face the Indianapolis Colts 
Uh, number three seed Kansas City Chiefs will face the Cleveland Browns. And number four seed uh, Jacksonville Jaguars will face the fifth seed Pittsburgh Steelers. Of the teams that I just mentioned, which one are you least confident that they're going to hold on to their playoff spot? The Jags, the Steelers, the Chiefs. From the time being, because I don't know the extent of Trevor Lawrence's injury, I think I'm going to have to say the Jags. That's fair. I would go with the Browns just because Amari Cooper just got hurt in his last game. I think he has a concussion. Uh, Joe Burrow, not Joe Burrow, Joe Flacco looked fine against the uh, Rams for the most part, but I mean, he's still Joe Flacco. And this defense is very, very good. But this year is starting to kind of turn out like it's been years in the past for the Browns where it's like one unit is good and the other is bad. For most of this year, they were semi-balanced. But now it's starting to look the defense is asked to carry a heavy load and the offense just cannot hold up its end of the bargain. That could obviously change. But as of right now, I'm just least confident in the Browns because they got some tough games coming up. All right, now let's move on to the NFC. Uh, here's where things stand. Right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, despite their loss, uh, are still holding on to that uh, number one seed. Then number two seed, San Francisco 49ers, will play the number seven seed, Green Bay Packers. Number three seed, Detroit Lions, will play the number six seed, Minnesota Vikings. And number four seed, Atlanta Falcons, will play the number five seed, Dallas Cowboys. Same question, which team are you least confident they're going to hold on to that playoff spot? The Minnesota Vikings. Uh... Because out of all the teams that you listed, the quarterbacks that I don't trust the most are Josh Dobbs and Desmond Ritter. But in the case of Josh Dobbs, his division is so bad that I think he can hold on to the spot. I mean, not Josh Dobbs. Desmond Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I feel that. Right? I think at this moment, I'm going to say Falcons. um, Because they're not... They're not good. Their defense is playing much better than anybody expected them to, including myself. I'll be the first to say it. Jesse Bates has looked amazing for them, and their D-line has played really well. Um, but they got Bucks, which is going to be a very pivotal game, and that could go either way. They got Panthers, who on paper they should win, but who knows. Colts, that's going to be a tough game. Bears, everybody knows the Bears are weird. And then they got Saints, which is going to be competitive because week 18, the Saints could be playing for that division or they at least playing for a wild card spot. So I don't trust Desmond Ritter. And I think that they're the Colts, I mean, not Colts, the Falcons are going to go up against some teams that are going to stop them from running the ball and going to force the ball into Desmond Ritter's hands. And I, I just don't trust it. And at least with the Vikings, Josh Dobbs is Josh Dobbs, but they're getting Jay Jettas back this week. Tate Day Hawkinson's still there. Jordan Addison's still there. I take my chances with those weapons as opposed to the Falcons. So I think that's why I would give them the nod. But let's go ahead and look around the league at some news, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles in the most predictable move ever. Uh, former Colts linebacker Shaquille Leonard has signed with the team uh, over the weekend, so it'll be fun to see what he does because Lord knows they need a linebacker, and Lord knows Shaquille Leonard is waiting to get out on the field. Um, also, the New York Jets and safety Adrian Amos have agreed um, to terms on a uh, uh, him getting released. 
All right, let's go ahead and play this game of believable or buffoonery and then move on to our game picks. Starting off with the Green Bay Packers, you mentioned in one of your takeaways how you've been impressed with the way that Jordan Love has been playing over the past couple weeks, and a lot of people would share that sentiment. So much so that Dan Orlovsky of ESPN said they, meaning the Packers, found their quarterback for the future. Is that believable or buffoonery? Um, I'm going to say buffoonery simply because at least this season he's been up and down. If he finishes this season consistent and plays, even if he dips a little bit in his level of play, then I'll say yes. But at least for now, he's shown to be so he's shown to be inconsistent at times. So I'm going to have to say buffoonery. At this very moment. I'll say for the short term, I'll say yes. Because looking at the draft order as it stands, the Packers right now have the 20th overall pick. And I have a hard time believing they're going to use that pick on a quarterback or that they should do so. I think that at the very least, he's earned himself at one more year. And then next year, if he kind of struggles, I can see them potentially moving on. But as of right now, I think he's kind of – I'll say this. The Packers aren't actively looking for a quarterback. And I think if that's a pretty solid place to be, and if he can find a way to, like, get them into that wild card spot of hell, the division isn't sold up just yet, and they can find a way to overtake the Lions, then, yeah, I think that the answer will probably be an emphatic yes. But as of right now, I'm I'm like you. I'm kind of skeptical, but I think at least for the next couple of years, I'll say yes. Uh, You talked about potential MVP candidates bringing up Tyreek Hill. There's another offensive juggernaut who people believe should be in the conversation. Head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, praised his running back, Christian McCaffrey, and said he's as valuable in this league as anyone. So is is it believable or buffoonery that Christian McCaffrey should be in the MVP conversation? sake of saying because I'm a I'm a huge fan of running backs, I'm gonna say yes. Um I think that his on the field production has shown it. I also think just the importance that he is to the offense. Like yes, you have weapons all around. You have Debo Samuel, you have George um George Kittle. I, I was about to say George Pickens, oh my gosh. Um but you have George Kittle. But at the end of the day you also have Brandon Ayuk, but at the end of the day, their offense kind of doesn't go unless Christian McCaffrey is gone. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say believable as well. I mean, he had, what, a 17-game streak of scoring a touchdown. He has 17 total touchdowns this year and leads the league in rushing. And mind you, he's leading the league in rushing and also has a whole bunch of other teammates who are talented who need the ball in their hands. I think it's a definitive yell. I'll say this. I think Christian McCaffrey has a stronger case than any quarterback this year for MVP. I would say it's probably his bigger, biggest competition is Tyreek Hill. I would agree with that. Yeah, because, I mean, no quarterback this year has, like, wowed me. Like, maybe you could say Tua, but it's like he's just throwing yeah. the ball up and letting Tyreek and Jalen Waddle do all the hard work. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. All right, a couple more things before we move on. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, when you get blown out at home, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, and you're going to get a lot of criticism, so much so that Rex Ryan said of the Eagles, that's not the look of a Super Bowl team. So is it believable or buffoonery that the Eagles no longer feel like a Super Bowl contender? I'm going to say buffoonery because 
you took one bad loss to a team that's just as good, if not better than you. It's, and also, like I stated earlier, like, yes, you took a bad loss, but if you round out the form to play your best ball to finish out the end of the year, you can win the Super Bowl. I mean, the Giants won the Super Bowl as a six seed. Yeah, I'm also going to say buffoonery. I just – I get it. Like, we as football fans and in the media, like, it's just so easy to jump the gun and be like, oh, such and such is terrible. Like, if people did that, like, at the first defeat, you know how many NFL players wouldn't be in the league anymore after one bad game? So, yeah, I'm not doing all that, especially considering the whole body of work that the Eagles have put together this whole season. No. Do I trust their defense right now? Absolutely not. But I'm not going to sit here and act like they're not one of the best teams in the NFL. That's insane. All right. people, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and I don't know why, but people automatically, like, I feel like more recently, people feel like, Every team that wins the Super Bowl is this dominant team that dominated the whole season. And it's not all, it hasn't always been the case. At all. Last year, the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes had a great year, but the Chiefs collectively, they weren't just running over everybody. Shit, what? Them? Well, I'm trying to think of other people. You mentioned the Giants when they won the Super Bowl, they barely got in there. Baltimore's last Super Bowl. They got in as a wild card. Who else? I'm trying to think of recent teams that have also the Rams. Like a lower seed. Who? The Steelers. In 05? I think so. Either 05 or the Cardinals Super Bowl. I think they won the uh, AFC North those years. I want to say. Either way, I agree with you, though. People think, oh, if you won a Super Bowl, you were just killing everybody all year. No, that's absolutely not the case. Nobody who has gone undefeated in the regular season has won a Super Bowl except the Miami Dolphins in 1972. And if you don't believe me, just go back to 2007 when the uh, Patriots lost to the Giants, who was a wild card team. All right, last but not least, Mike Evans made history um, with the big game against the Carolina Panthers. He became just the second straight, second receiver in NFL history to have 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons, only being topped by Jerry Rice, who has 11. And, I mean, it's an impressive feat no matter how you look at it. But is it believable or buffoonery that it's impressive enough to make Mike Evans a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time comes? I am going to have to say buffoonery. Um, well, actually, no, because I forget. I'm going to say yes, because I forget Mike Evans does have a Super Bowl on his, on his resume. I love me some Mike Evans, and I think Mike Evans is great. But I think it depends when he's trying to retire, like when his year comes, because just to, like, speculate – Let's say he gets him and him and D Hop retire the same year. Do you think he's a better wide receiver than DeAndre Hopkins? I think, in all honesty, I think I would say I think he's slightly better. Really? No, I like when I say slightly, I don't mean by that much. Like I think. Uh, because I feel like, in my opinion, they're both kind of similar in the fact of, like, 
regardless of who you have at QB, they're going to ball out. They're going to ball out. Yeah. I think the only reason I might give the slight edge to Mike Evans is one, like, D-Hop hasn't been on the field nearly as much as Mike, like, availability-wise due to some injury and suspension. And it's like, there's only one other player that's done what you've done. And in everyone's opinion, that other player is the greatest wide receiver of all time. That's fair. I think, obviously, I think that Mike Evans has the better resume. But if I had to pick between the two, I just, I would give the edge to D-Hop just because, one, I feel like he's had worse pieces around him, like, collectively. Like, not just quarterbacks, but in terms of, like, other receiving options. Like, Mike Evans has had some really good receivers and just players in general around him. Whereas everybody and they mama know if D-Hop is taking the field, D-Hop is getting the ball. Like, there's nobody he's been around. No disrespect to Andre Johnson when he was there, but he was, like, on his last legs when by the time D-Hop got drafted. Like, there's just been nobody that has been on his level, and he's consistently produced, and he's consistently played really, really well. Like, even now with the Titans, like, no disrespect to your Titans, but D-Hop is far and away the best offensive player on that team. You take D-Hop off of this offense and there's no telling how it's going to look. And Mike Evans is great. Mike Evans is amazing and 100% should be a Hall of Famer. But I feel like he's had more help along the way than D-Hop has. I think I this is my counter like point to that is, so yes, I do agree that Mike Evans has had way more talent around him. But also, in my opinion, that's what magnifies what he's done because he's done it with, like, he's not the only guy. He's done it with other guys that need the ball. In the case of D-Hop, he is the only guy. He gets, he, he was stretches, especially when he was with Kyler Murray, where he was getting, like, double-digit targets a game. So you have more opportunities to produce. So that's why I kind of feel it. And I do agree. Like, right now, he is the best offensive option the Titans have. I mean, if he didn't have D-Hop, I probably would have stopped watching Titans game a while ago, being honest with you, just out of pure disgust. But that's, that's my only counter-argument to that, is I think it does, in my opinion, it elevates it because you're able to do this regardless of having other great players around you. I feel that. I just, I think... Why I find what D-Hop and, like, other players who do that more impressive is because everybody knows you're getting the ball, but they can't stop it. That's, that, for me, that's very impressive. Like, if, and, like, in the case of Mike Evans, like, this, again, does not take away anything that he's done, but defenses just can't key in on you. They have to worry about Chris Godwin. They have to worry about playoff Lenny. You got to worry about Tom Brady back there, Rob Gronkowski, like, Defenses can't just solely focus on you and game plan against you. And I think that opens things up for you. Whereas if you're D-Hop, everywhere you go, you are the top target. You are what defenses are focusing on. Again, not to discredit anything Mike Evans does because he's a dog, he's a killer. Love me some Mike Evans. But between the two, I I still give the slight edge to D-Hop, but obviously Mike Evans has a better resume and should be a Hall of Fame lock. 
first ballot for sure, but I don't know if it's going to happen, but he's getting in regardless. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game pick, starting off with the game of the week. Thursday night football, New England Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got Steelers winning 10-3. to I'm so mad because I'm pretty sure you picked this up by now. But because the Titans have been so bad, the only bright spot I've had is, like, being able to kind of watch Steelers games. But, like, okay, at least I'm watching the team I kind of like do some good. And then Kenny Pickett gets hurt. And now it's like, oh, the game that I was looking forward to watching, now I have to watch Mitchell Trubisky be quarterback. Uh, You were excited to watch Kenny Pickett? I wasn't excited, but I was like, at least the offense looked better. The game I watched. The game I didn't watch is when they were lining up and lining up wrong. So I was basing it off of what I saw. I'm like, oh, this was, they started to move the ball around. They started to look good. Oh, you talking about last week game against the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch the game against the Cardinals at all. The Steel. <laughs> Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky are the same person. Kenny Pickett just has smaller hands and longer hair. Like, there are not many differences with that offense. It, it, well, uh, I'm picking the Steelers to win, like like you said, like 10 to 3. And it was so funny, like, when they were promoting it last week, and they had a picture of T.J. Watt and Bill Belichick. That's how I knew they didn't give a damn about the Patriots. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Whatever. They finna draft Caleb Williams and ride off in the sunset. Um, next up, we got Carolina Panthers versus New Orleans Saints. I got Saints. Saints. Baltimore Ravens returning from their bye, uh, hosting the Los Angeles Rams. I feel like this is a game that's going to stress me out, but I got Baltimore. Baltimore. Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams riding win streaks. Who you got? Colts. Uh, next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars, possibly without Trevor Lawrence versus the Cleveland Browns. I got Jags because even if it is C.J. Beathard, they have enough weapons, cough, cough, Travis Etienne, and I, I just think they can still score more points than the Browns will. Um, I'm going to Browns. Detroit Lions uh, headed to Chicago to play the Bears. I got Lions, but I swear if they have another like four turnover game and the Bears still lose, I'm I'm gonna pass out from laughter. Yeah, I got Lions too. Uh, next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Atlanta Falcons. I want to say the winner of this game will take the lead in the division, but don't quote me. But I'm going Bucks. Yeah, I'm going Bucks. Uh, we got Houston Texans versus the New York Jets. It sucks not having Tank Dell, but I don't think it matters. I still got Texans by double digits. Texans. San Francisco 49ers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. I got 49ers. 49ers. Uh, Minnesota Vikings returning from their bye versus the Las Vegas Raiders, who are also returning from a bye. I got Vikings for two words. Justin Jefferson. I got Raiders. Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills in a game that is probably going to be very competitive, but just like most of the Bills games, they'll keep it close down to the wire and still lose. I got Chiefs. I got you. Mm-hmm. I 
got Chiefs. Denver Broncos hoping to get back on track versus the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers put up six points against the Patriots. I'm not picking them to win anything this week. I got Broncos. Yeah, I got Broncos too. Philadelphia Eagles, another team looking to get back on track, are headed to Jerry World, going to Dallas Sunday Night Football in a pivotal a NFC East matchup. I got Eagles, but I'm not confident about it. I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I got the Cowboys because the Eagles can't stop no better right now. Yeah, I mean, if this was the time for the Cowboys to beat the Eagles, this is it. This is going to be a big game for Dak. Because if Dak doesn't have a good game against this this Eagles defense, oh, it's going to be ugly. Like, all the good that he's done for the past month ain't going to mean nothing because they're going to be at his throat. Uh, next up, we got two Monday Night Football games, starting with the Green Bay Packers versus the New York Giants. The Packers should win this game, and I think they will, but who knows. I'm going Pack as well. And then last but not least, your Tennessee Titans heading to South Beach to face the Dolphins. I got Dolphins. I got Dolphins in the third piece. I don't think it'll be 30. Definitely double digits, be, but I don't know about thirty. It's gonna be bad. It, yeah, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be pretty by any means. But thirty, I don't. I. We'll we'll see. Will Levis this past game earned a lot of my respect. I don't like, think it's gonna be a thirty piece. I I definitely think like, you know, if they can get the O line situated, I think Will Levis is. I do think Will Levis is the guy. Kind of like. In a situation like you said, Jordan Love, he's at least earned, in my opinion, he's earned himself another season to show what he has. But like, they're like our offense so bad. Unless Derrick Henry goes crazy, which I mean, apparently that's not even the thing to say no more because he went crazy against the Colts and they still lost. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I, I if the defense can like. It's I, right now the offense. I I'd say it's the defense is more problematic. More no, not, let me not even say the whole defense. The secondary is the Which issue. Has always been a thing. Yeah, like at least with Kevin Bayard, like he was at least stopped the big plays. Now it's just if you beat the receiver, like there is no safety help. It doesn't matter. He's gone. And big jail out, so we're not gonna get past. We're gonna get past. Uh, we're not gonna get pressure like we normally would with him in. You think he gonna come back, or you think they are gonna shut him down for the season? If I was them, I'd shut him down. Depending on how severe injuries, it's no point. Yeah, I agree. All right, last thing before we move on to the NBA, let's talk our offensive, defensive, and rookie players we are watching this week. Offensively, I'm watching Tyler Linderbaum. Why? Because as much as I love my second-year center, he's going up against Aaron Donald, who is the best defensive tackle in football and has been for the past several years. Mr. Linderbaum, I need you to hold it down. They got some nice young pass rushers, but at the end of the day, that Rams pass rush lives and dies by uh, Mr. Donald, and so you will be tasked with stopping him. For me, offensively, I am watching one Dakota Prescott uh, because, like you stated, if he has a bad game against this Eagles defense, everything he did the month before goes down the drain. Yeah, who cares? Because, who? 
Uh, next up, defensive player I'm watching on the Eagle defense. I am going Darius Slay. First time they played the Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb made him and everybody else in that secondary look like his sons. Darius been in the league for a long time, one of the top corners in this league for a long time. This is one of those get-right games. This is one of the games where you show everybody, hey, I'm still the guy. We're going to get it together. Um, for me, defensively, I'm watching TJ Watt because all of the Steelers linebackers are hurt. And the only way I feel like they are going to make Hulk, like, stand still defensively, TJ Watt is going to have to have a big game um, against this uh, atrocious Patriots offense. Yeah. And the offensive line has been bad and reshuffling. So this this should be a TJ Watt type performance. Um, rookie of the week. No, nah, I'll, I'll stick with the one I got. Uh, I'm going Jalen Jones, rookie cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. He's been sparring, starting for the team since week five. Has a tough matchup this week going up against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They like to move those guys around the line of scrimmage. It's not going to be easy. But if you want to show your, show your mantle and show, hey, I'm not scared of these boys. I can hang right with them. This is the perfect time for you to do it. Rookie of the week, I'm going to see that strap. Yeah, because, I mean, the Jets suck, but, I mean, their defense is still good. So yeah. this will be a nice test for them. All right, uh, what team you calling out this week? Uh, team I'm calling out, I'm calling out the Steelers. Bro, please don't lose to the Patriots. Like, I know you, I know you don't. You hate the Steelers, you're a Ravens fan. But, like, that's all I got football-wise now. It's the root for them. So, don't lose to the Pets. Say it like this. <laughs> The Cardinals, I can rationalize. I can make that make sense. They beat the Cowboys. But the still, I mean, the Patriots? That's tough. That, that'd be tough. Um, I'm calling out Baltimore, obviously. First game back from the bye. Had a nice weekend. Had a lot of teams lose that we needed to lose. Strengthen our foothold on the AFC North. Let's handle our business because not to say that any game is easy, but compared to the rest of the slated games we got coming up over this next month, this this is probably on the lighter side of it. So let's just let's just let's get started with the win and just again just try to win this freaking division. All right, let's talk NBA, starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, I got Giannis. Same. Yeah. Uh, out of the Western Conference, my Western Mamba is going to be Kevin Durant. Not even necessarily for individual performances, which have been great, but also he became the t a top 10 scorer on the all-time NBA list, so got to give him his props. Congratulations. He's, he's a lethal shooter. Um, for me, my Western Mamba is one Nikola Jokic. It's hard not going. It's very hard going against Nikola. Um, and my rookie Mamba, I'm going school. Played this past Saturday and had a really good game. Uh, 17 points, five boards, three assists. Looking good as he's recovering from that injury. My rookie Mamba, I'm going Jordan Hawkins. Look at us saying new people. It's not just a chat and uh Wimby show over here. All right, let's talk our top three takeaways. For me, at number three, John Morant can't get back soon enough. Desmond Bain 
has had some really some recent admirable efforts. I believe just dropped 30 in their win over the Mavs. Like that the Grizzlies like have moments of mad frustration in other games when it's like, okay, there's a reason to be excited. But when you put John ja the equation, it just it not to say he covers all sins, but things are much better in the Bluff City when Ja is on the court. So December nineteenth can't come soon enough. I completely agree with you. Um, but my number three is that the um shoot what what was I gonna say? The Chicago Bulls, they need to be just blow it all up. Like they they is wild because they actually have talent on their team. But I think that they have talent that they don't know how to mix to work together. Um, I think whether it's both DeMar and Zach or one of the other, preferably I probably would say DeMar because of his contract being expiring. They need to move some people around to like make their roster cohesive. Yeah, they got to do something because it's, it's not working. Um, Number two, Austin Reeves has consistently showed that he's the Lakers' third best player. Controversial as it may be, they did end up being the Phoenix Suns, Um, what was that, two days ago? Oh, well, yesterday, I'm sorry, 106-103. A big part of that was because of Austin Reeves had 20 points, six boards, two assists. And, I mean, LeBron can keep trying to be father time all he wants to. And for right now, he may be doing so, but father time always wins. Anthony Davis, at moments he's great. Other times he's inconsistent. You have to have that third piece of a puzzle to help make things shake. And right now, the Lakers don't have another superstar, and they brought back Austin Reeves with the intention of him being that third guy. He has to find a way to do it. Uh, For me, my number two is – the Boston Celtics, when they when they get going, they're incredibly dangerous. I think it's an obvious fact because they're the top team in their conference. But it's it's one of those things to where I just don't want it to be the typical case of what's been going on with the Celtics recently. They have a great regular season, and then once the 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 playoffs get here, they kind of like choke. Yeah, look like the best team in the NBA, if you ask me. All right, last but not least, I'm a traditionalist, I'm a hater, whatever y'all want to call me. The in-season tournament just does not carry any weight to me. It just feels very low stakes. Like I mentioned, like, the uh, Pacers game, Pacers-Celtics game from earlier this week, I think it was on Monday. Great atmosphere. Players seem really into it. That's awesome, and that's great. But at the end of the day, you get $500,000 if you win, but who cares if you win the in-season tournament, but you don't make the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, it, it just doesn't do anything for me. I it, It's just too low stakes, let me say that. Yeah, like, I've been seeing stuff where people are talking about, like the, rate, like, the ratings and all of that, and I'm going to be honest, outside of, like, the Grizzlies games, when they were in the um, in-season tournament, I haven't, like, watched any of them. Like, even the Lakers and Suns, normally that's the game I would always be up to watch. I think also a lot of it is because my favorite team is down bad, so I'm not really trying to watch basketball because I'm thinking of better times. But, like, I had no, I have had any interest in watching any of the games. Um, 
I think it's again. I think it's for the people that like it. Apparently, it's a nice contingent of people. It's cool, but for me personally, I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, it it doesn't do anything for me. But KD had an interesting comment on it, like after they lost to the uh, Lakers to make the semifinals, and said that basically they it's set up for them to win. Because he said they got the quickest flight out of ever anybody going to Vegas. And they got the most fans out of anybody. So, essentially, it's set up for them to win. Not saying it's scripted or anything like that. But the NBA is pushing it for the Lakers to win. Do you think that's true? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be either. But, again, it's like, if I'm, I'm, if I'm LeBron James or, like, even Anthony Davis, what does this tournament win mean for me? If I don't win, like, because if you're LeBron at this point, you're playing to win a ring every year. Like, anything short of a ring is a disappointment. So, let's say four or five months from now, they get bounced from the playoffs. You think he really going to care about this tournament or winning it? Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I just, it, it just don't do nothing for me. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to some roster moves. You talked about the potential of the Chicago Bulls blowing it up. And for years, there have been talks about them at least trading somebody, whether it be Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. The conversations have been raging. And as of late, the conversations seem to be centered around DeMar DeRozan, uh, so much so that he it's becoming likely he is going to be traded. And his reported preferred trade destinations are the New York Knicks, and the Miami Heat. Between those two teams, which one do you think is a better realistic fit? Between the two. Being honest, I'm gonna say the Knicks. Um, as much as I would love to have I would love for Jimmy Butler to have a co star, I don't know if his game and DeMars can jail. Um, simply because they're two guys that aren't really knocked down three-point shooters. They both play with the ball in their hands. They're both guys that can make plays. But, like, from a team aspect, you have both of those guys in your starting lineup. You aren't going to have uh, you aren't gonna have much spacing to work with. So I think with the Knicks, you'll have, hypothetically, it'll be Jalen Brunson, probably Josh Hart, DeMar, Julius, maybe if he's not a part of the trade package, and Mitchell Robinson. I think that that lineup can work better from an offensive standpoint than him on the heat. I would agree with that. And also I think it comes down to compensation because realistically if you're the heat, what can you really offer? Because I think that was a conversation we had like during the whole Damian Lillard saga. Like, that there are other teams that can offer up more to get him. The same could be said in the case of DeMar. Obviously, he's not going to command as much trade capital as Dane, but it might be more than what the Heat are willing to give up because we know that um, Jimmy and Bam are untouchable. Teams may not want to trade for Tyler Hero right now because he's hurt. You trade Duncan Robinson, you lose arguably your best three-point shooter. Then you don't want to put Jamie Jacquez in there, so it's like, what are you actually willing to give up? And then also, if... DeMar was to go to the Heat, this would solely be like a maybe one to two year option because I love Jimmy Butler. 
But we can't forget, Jimmy Butler is getting up there in age. Like, he's getting a little bit old in basketball terms. And so you got to ask yourself, he may still decide to play, but is he going to be able to play at the high level that he's been playing at for the past several years as he gets older? Because right now he's 34. And so who's to say when he's going to, like, come off that pedestal and not be able to play at that same efficiency? And DeMar DeRozan is also up there in two. So it's if you're the Heat, if you're making this move, it's because you feel confident that they're going to be able to bring you a championship within the next one to two years. Because beyond that, it's no telling what either of those players are going to look like, especially considering the contracts that they're going to command. So with all that being said, I agree with you. I would say the Knicks too, but I would like to see DeMar and Jimmy on the same team just because I love to have two of my favorite players in the league at the same time. Um, another piece of roster news. A uh, longtime NBA guard Terrence Ross has announced his retirement after 11 seasons. Last been his time uh, significantly with the Orlando Magic. Uh, one more thing before we play our game of believable or buffoonery. Last week we talked about the dream duos that Shaq mentioned he wanted to see and then ranked them. And this week we're going to talk about some other potentially lethal fictional duos and which one we'd most want to start a franchise with. And so here are the options. Mind you, these are current players and prime and former players, both at their peaks. So for the Thunder, you'd have Shea and KD. For the Suns, it'd be D-Book and Chuck, a.k.a. Charles Barkley. Or for the Timberwolves, Ant and Kevin Garnett. Which of those duos would you pick to start a franchise with? This is an easy answer, Ant and KG. Yeah, same. I, yeah, it really wasn't even a conversation. No disrespect to anybody else, but I think that those two would just dominate. It'd be nasty. Because they, they both are two, they both are two-way players, and they both, like, they got their dog in them. Like, D-Book is a dog, but, like, and he, he, he's a dog. And then you pair him with a guy like KG that, was the epitome of being a dog when he was in the league? I will. Yes. Like, literally got down on all fours and was barking at people when he was on defense? Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, all right. Let's play our game of Believable or Refunery, and we're doing another blast from the past. Uh, recently, Ray Allen was asked to weigh in on the GOAT shooter conversation. In most recent years, the conversation has shifted to Steph Curry as the greatest. However, Ray Allen puts the name of Reggie Miller into his hat and said, Steph is more on the ball, the point guard shooter. But so it's a different approach to the game. He's an extremely incredible ball handler, so it's a different mentality when you're handling the ball and not coming off screens. But I look at Reggie Miller and what he did, run off screens and just the fluidity of his game when he played it. For me, he was somebody I always looked up to and thought that was amazing at how he performed formed his task so believable or buffoonery reggie miller is the true goat shooter i'm gonna i'm still gonna say buffoonery i still think it's still because the thing about it is Steph can do it on the ball and he also is one at least in terms of today Steph is probably still one of the best like top five best shooters off ball in the NBA as well as being a top five shooter on ball in the NBA. Yeah. How I look at it is regardless of how you get the ball, I can understand Ray Allen's perception, but at the end of the day, if you can shoot, you can shoot. Regardless if you got the ball coming down the court, regardless if you're coming off screens, regardless. 
And I can understand kind of the argument, but it's still like Steph Curry is proving that he can do it this year, especially like with CP3 coming into him doing more off ball things. It hasn't mattered. He's still knocking down shots at an incredibly extra efficient weight. So with that being said, I'm going to call buffoonery. I also would lean towards Steph in that regard. All right, last thing before we make our game pick. So in a recent game between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Chicago Bulls, it was caught on camera, uh, a Bulls assistant coach talking to Zion and the coach saying, heard you want to come play for us, to which Zion replied, don't say it out loud now. Obviously, this could be a joke. It could be just, you know, a real between good friends, blase, blase. However... Just for the sake of conversation, is it believable or buffoonery? We will see Zion Williamson with the Bulls one day. Uh, I'm going to say buffoonery because I think that Zion has already signed an extension with the um with the Pelicans. I feel like the only way it could happen is if it were to happen this year, because if they trade. Let's say they trade DeMar or Zach Levine. Like, they really wouldn't have that much um, trade capital to get him from the Pelicans. Yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery as well because right now it doesn't really feel like the Bulls are buying right now. If anything, it's more likely they're selling. Because like you said, like, if they get Zion after this year, who else is he actually going to be playing with? Maybe Alex Caruso, maybe Kobe White. Maybe Nikola Vucic. Like, I don't think that the team is going to look the same down the road than it does right now. So, because of that, I'm calling buffoonery as well. All right, let's make some game picks and get up out of here. Starting off with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, wrong sport. Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Washington Wizards. I got Sixers by 15. I got Sixers. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies headed to Detroit. I got Grizzlies and extending the Pistons losing streak to what, 17 now? No, 18, oh. sorry. Mine is bad, but yeah, I got Grizz too. Yeah, it's insane. Um, Orlando Magic heading to Cleveland to face the Cavs. I I, I think I'm going to go Cavaliers because the Magic are better at home. I got Cavs. Miami Heat versus the Toronto Raptors. I believe Jamie Butler is playing, so I'm going Heat. I'm going Heat, too. Brooklyn Nets headed to Atlanta to face the Hawks. I'm going Nets, which also props to Michael Bridges for going off, like outscoring. Who was the Magic in the first quarter a couple days ago? That was insane. Yeah, I'm going going Nets, too. San Antonio Spurs headed to Minneapolis to face the Timberwolves. Spurs trying to end a 14-game losing streak. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I got Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Charlotte Hornets versus the Chicago Bulls. I think Bulls get the dub. Uh, is Lamella playing? Uh-uh. I got Bulls. Uh, next up, we got the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Houston Rockets. I got Thunder. Thunder. Utah Jazz versus the Dallas Mavericks. I got Mavs. Mavs. Denver Nuggets facing the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going Nuggets. I'm going Nuggets. And last but not least, Portland Trail Blazers versus the Golden State Warriors. I got Warriors. Yeah, Warriors as well. 
All right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Pre-episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Uh, go Grizz, go Titans. What was I going to say? Oh, uh, it was wrestling related. Who do you, oh, who do you think uh, they're about to make Gunther feud with? Because I saw he was talking to what's-his-face. Oh, Adam I, Pierce? Yeah. I'm, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I would go with Jey Uso. I think Jey Uso would be probably the best candidate. Because right now, like, looking at Raw, who else are you going to have Gunther go against that he hasn't already beaten? And so, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, you, well, I, I think it's an obvious conclude, uh, obvious answer. You think CM Punk is going to be on Raw? Yeah. I think, I don't think you can really have him on uh, on SmackDown and have, what's the name on SmackDown? Yeah. But I'm excited. Uh, do you think it's going to be Randy and Roman at Rumble? That's what I'm thinking. It, it has to be. In my opinion, I don't, it could be nobody else. Like, especially with Randy saying, like, saying dad is back to Paul Heyman to tell the Roman. I think that's the case because, in my opinion, nobody else on SmackDown has, like, the gravity to where I, people will want to see them wrestle Roman outside of Randy right now. Honestly, I'm a, I have no issue with Randy going to SmackDown. I think it's going to be great. I'm just mad he left Raw before giving Rhea an RKO. That's all I wanted. Yeah, I think everybody wanted that. And I'm kind of shocked it didn't happen. Like, that would have been a perfect time after he was like, Daddy's back, and then hit her with an RKO, going about your business. Like, perfect timing. Maybe, sure, that probably would have set something off with the Judgment Day, but if you're going to Raw anyway, we could have just swept it under yeah. the rug. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, but Royal Rumble season is less than a month and a half away. So, can't wait. Favorite pay-per-view of the year. Obviously, it's a lot more wrestling things that's going to happen, such as the end of the year WWE Award Show. So, be on the lookout for that. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, and we will catch y'all next week. Have a great week. Be blessed. Don't stress. See y'all later. <laughs>